Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. many times have you been asked if you could survive on a deserted <laughs> Oh, so many times. Hello, everyone. Welcome back for a brand new edition of Collider Ladies Night. Very excited about this one because I feel like the show passed me by when it first hit Amazon, but now it's finally time for me to cover the wild. And I get, I was about to say, I get to talk to one of my favorite cast members, but the ensemble in the show is all incredible, but I'm so excited to have Mia Healy today on the show. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So it is about time. Our viewers got to know you a little bit better. And I usually like to start off in the place. What movie, show, performance, personal experience, you name it, first made you say, I have to be an actor? Oh, I think for me, it was something that was just innately just part of who I was as a child. And there was just always a pull there um, that is kind of unexplainable. But I do, I do remember just being a kid and just wanting to just constantly be performing. And my parents, it was interesting because I don't come from a family of uh, very creative people. So it was, it was definitely the strain. Like I was this kid that just had this like pull towards this um, craft that no one else really had. So it was strange. But I remember doing my first acting class at ATYP in Sydney when I was four years old that my mom took me to because I think they were a bit sick of seeing my at home performances and they were like let's just chuck her in a in a classroom um and I loved it and ever since then I've just been obsessed with it there are some movies that I that I draw from that throughout my life I watch and I I it makes me reignites that flame in me to to towards this um one of them being Blue Jasmine with Kate Blanchett I love that movie and similarly um Streetcar Named Desire with Marlon Brando love that movie it depends on like times of my life as well like there are some movies that just hit different that I'm like that I needed in that moment that keep pushing me forward because I'm semi still in the uh the 2020 recap zone is there any movie that came out in 2020 that kind of really struck you Oh gosh, I don't even think I went to the movies in in 2020. You probably shouldn't have. Yeah, you know what? 
<laughs> yeah, maybe I shouldn't be sitting here and being like, oh yeah, I went to the movies. No, um, I don't. It's funny, 2020 was an interesting year. I wasn't, I wasn't really watching a lot of new films. I did watch um, Normal People. Ah, solid choice. Yeah, I read Conversations with People, which is by the same author. So I was really excited to watch that. And I loved, 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 loved that series. Um, and I, I think I found myself in a pattern during 2020, um, falling back into the movies that I'd seen before and TV series that just made me feel safe and happy um I felt like I just needed that in 2020 to just like watch friends and just feel like I was around my friends you know what I mean comfort watch was very very important yes so you knew you wanted to be an actor from a very young age but when you kind of pictured yourself making it what were you specifically picturing was it I want to be a movie star in tv shows mm -hmm. uh in comedies an action hero what was it I all throughout high school, I was really um, into theatre, so and musical theatre specifically. I always saw myself, you know, I went and saw Wicked and I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to be a musical theatre person. It hasn't really turned out that way so far, but you never know. Um, it's the beginning. It's, yeah, still the beginning. Um, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't know I was going to be in so much screen. I always knew I wanted to be involved in it and I didn't care about what that really looked like. I didn't really have this image of like, I want to be this big movie star, but I did, I did always think I was going to be in comedy for some reason. I think growing up and watching like Seinfeld and Friends and stuff like that, I thought, oh my gosh, that just looks like so much fun and something I so want to do. And it wasn't until I went to drama school that I kind of realized that drama was my, was my preferred sort of genre. And I just love, I love drama now. It's like the things that I look for and like the scripts that I read that I feel most connected to are the ones that are like about a really messed up person usually <laughs> this is so if you're drawn to drama is there any is there anything in particular about it that speaks to you other than you know i mean i get for whatever reason the only other uh, thing that's coming to my mind right now is comedy but so, yeah. something that uh that tests you and your craft that maybe other genres don't I think the fact that it does test me the most is what my draw to it is, is the fact that it is challenging and it um, just resembling the human experience, which you can find in every single genre. But I feel like drama for me personally, um, the dramas that I read and see, I am like, that is just human experience and kind of diving into something that is just human is something that I really look forward to when, when performing just, exploring what it means to be a person and like breathe life into something that is just so bizarre and strange which is like which is what life is all about those really awkward terrible like heartbreaking moments in life you know that's what that's what it's all about so I kind of love like diving into that stuff because it just makes me feel more human I think sometimes I feel like most human when I'm when I'm acting because I'm like experiencing it and it's not even me is Mia. I don't know. It's like, it's a, it's weird. <laughs> do you, do you prefer for the roles that you take to have like a touch of you or something that you could directly relate to or something completely different from your own reality? I try and find reasons why I relate to my character or the characters that I'm like auditioning for. I try and find something that I can relate to them with. And I, and I, I think that you can, I feel like I can relate to absolutely everybody like there are people that I disagree with there are things that people do that I would never do myself but I can always come back to relating to 
you know, that needing to be loved or that feeling of being alone or whatever it is. Like there's always a feeling there that I can relate to, but I do the roles that are most interesting to me are always the ones that are furthest from me as possible because it's a challenge. And also because, you know, I live, I live my life. I don't need a, I don't need to play a role as, as my life. Like that's not why I do it. You know, it's part of the reason why I can't get enough of storytelling. It, it's really one of our only ways to experience something other than our own reality. Exactly. Exactly. It's such a thrill to do it. Like I feel so lucky to be able to do that because it's so cool. You know? So going back to just the beginning of your career and what you brought up about you being the only one in your family who does this kind of thing, what, what did your, your parents and the folks around you say when you're like, I'm going to pursue the career path of becoming an actor because we all know how difficult it is to make yeah. it in Hollywood. Did they ever say something like you should pursue a more traditional path? You know what? My parents are like the most supportive people in the world. And they always like, since I was four years old and they sent me to that acting class, they were like, damn, like she's going to do this. And there were moments, you know, during high school where you get wrapped up. Like I always wanted to be an actor, but you get wrapped up in the, in Australia, we have the HSC, which is like your final exam to, to, that gives you the mark to go to uni. And, you know, you get a good mark and, you know, initially it's like, oh, I got a good mark. I'm going to, I'm going to go to uni and I'm going to be a lawyer or something. And then, you know, my parents have always been like, no, like that's not what you love. And they always just, they just support me and just want me to do what I love. And I remember being in, I would have been in year 12 and we had a guidance counselor come in and basically just give me the whole cliche spiel about why I shouldn't be an actor and how it's never going to work and like da, 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 da. And my parents just sat there and really laid into her and were just like, no. So they've they've not only been supportive, but like almost kind of like dragging me along to do it, even when I'm kind of like having doubts in the past. So it's I great. love hearing that. And I also wonder what that guidance counselor thinks of the wild. I know. I really would. Yeah, I want to see her again. <laughs> so give me like a little sense of the timeline here. How much time passed between you graduating and you booking the wilds? Was there even enough time there to do the, the crazy audition thing and, and try to book whatever? Or was this just, you know, something you got early on that happened to land? It was, it was early on. And I'm so grateful for that. It was very surprising and random and all very just, yeah, fresh out the gate. I, I think I just came out of drama school, all guns blazing, just so eager and excited and um, thankfully this job, which has just been the best job landed. Um, the timeline was probably around, probably around like, so I had a few months of auditioning and working as a receptionist, um, that I really loved. But then I, after season one, when I came back, I mean, after the pilot before season one, that's when I was doing all of the, the auditioning that every actor experiences. So I have questions about that too. When did you shoot the pilot? And then when did you shoot season one officially? Yes, so there was a big gap between them. It was, I, so we filmed the pilot in September of 2018, and then we filmed season one in September 2019. When you were first going into the pilot, how much did you know about your character? I did not know as, I didn't know anything really. I kind of just, I read the script and I read my sides and just, was I just there was something about her um that because she was she was so different to me and she becomes a lot more like me throughout the series which is kind of funny but um I just there was something about the script that it was just the writing was amazing and just these fully fleshed out characters um that I was just obsessed with 
but I didn't know about all of the things that she would go through. I didn't know about her teeth or her um, sexuality or things like that. So those were really exciting things that got to happen when I had already finished filming the pilot. I was like, damn, I'm thankful I got this role. This is like just getting better and better. <laughs> So you guys finish the pilot and then what happens? Is it is it basically just sitting around waiting to hear if you're getting picked up? That was like one of the hardest things ever, having to wait a year. Because we thought we were, so we finished in around October 2018. And we were like, okay, we'll find out by Christmas. We thought Christmas. So then from December through till like August, we were like every day waiting by the phone sort of thing. It was it's, it's hard because you're like so you get so connected to this character and like you really want it to happen but you're also trying to like preserve your like feelings you don't want to like get yourself hurt so you're constantly waiting but don't want to think about it and you're stuck in this limbo that I think a lot of I think every actor can relate to that limbo feeling because it happens when you're auditioning or when you're on set and you're waiting around like the patience that you need to be an actor um, I really learned from that so I'm grateful for it because it really taught me how to be patient and how to that all I can do is just do the job and then everything else is like out of my control and I just have to sit back and like let the magic happen. The magic did happen, but before <laughs> we even get to the bulk of the season, so what happened audition wise between uh, shooting the pilot and waiting for the word that season one was a go? I actually went to LA, I totally forgot about this. I went to LA in October when, as soon as the we wrapped the pilot, I got on a plane from New Zealand and went straight to LA um, and lived there for three months just auditioning which actually was kind of I mean I loved it and I love being there and a lot of my team is there so which was great but because I didn't have the visa I was just on an Esther visa as an Australian in America I couldn't actually book any roles so if I got close to something it was like oh like the visa process it's just too much so it was like this constant like ah, oh, like why couldn't my dad have been American sort of like drama but it was fine. It was actually a really great experience. And actually one of the girls who um, was in the wilds with me, um, Eleanor James, came with me So because we became just best friends on the pilot. And she was like, what are you doing after this? And I was like, I'm going to go to LA. And she was like, okay, cool. And I was like, what are you doing? She's like, nothing. I might want to come. She's like, fuck it. While you were going through that experience, even though you couldn't, I guess you couldn't really take a job at that point, what would you say is the, the biggest takeaway from going through that audition grind that you're gonna hold on to for, uh, for future trips to LA? I think um, I, definitely patience, definitely um, being kind to yourself. I think it's really important for people to stay kind to themselves when they're constantly auditioning and putting themselves like emotionally on the line every every time they walk through those doors and I think it was also a good time for me to learn to not to not be so desperate for for a job and to just remain for for my for me to just stay true to the fact that I just love this craft and I love acting and that's that's what it is and if I get a job I get a job and if I don't or if it doesn't work out it doesn't work out but I'm still doing it because I love it. I'm not doing it for money or success or fame or anything like that. Like as long as you're just, I think I just realized just staying true to why I'm here and centering myself on like why I'm here, why I'm doing this, then like nothing can go wrong because you're doing, you're just doing it for you. And that's the most important thing. I feel like that's the only way to keep yourself centered in this business. I agree. <laughs> so first big screen credit is The Wilds. 
What would you say surprised you the most about stepping onto the, the set of a big Amazon production? I mean, everything, everything. I hadn't done anything before. I was fresh out of, out of drama school. I, I, I didn't know how anything worked. I didn't know what any of the names were or any, any of the lingo. So everything was such a learning experience and such a, such a surprise. And I wasn't expecting anything. And I kind of wanted to go in with zero expectations because I didn't want to like, yeah, set myself up for anything. Um, but everyone is so nice to you on, on set. Like people are just so, so lovely. And it's, and especially on the wilds. I mean, it was just so great to have a really great team off camera, like the producers, Jamie Tarsus and Amy Harris and Sarah Stryker, they're all just powerhouses and so strong. And they just want you to bring as much of your creative input into the show as you can. And it's just the open conversation around the whole is just amazing. I was not expecting to have such a great connection with everyone as part of the whole production. It wasn't just like, oh yeah, me and we all got along as a cast and that's great, but we actually all got along. Like everyone was just incredible to work with. It's really set the bar really high now for me, I think. <laughs> Is there any particular element of uh, the behind the scenes of making a show that you find yourself, I don't know, more drawn to or even understanding more? Um, I'm slowly getting to understand all of it a bit more as, as every day as I was on set, I was learning it for something. Um, but I'm definitely, I'm so drawn to the whole, to writing and how, how it works and the behind the scenes, like, they are just incredible people, like thinking on the spot, like drawing, drawing information from everywhere and just like changing things in the chair, giving it like, they're just so clever. And just, that's so creative. Like they're literally creating like this story out of just themselves. It's a really cool thing to witness. And I just wanted to like watch it. Like every time they were like writing or changing something and it just was like so fascinating to me. I have one more behind the scenes question for you because I love asking this. When yeah. you first started on the show, what was a seemingly silly question about the way production works that maybe you were afraid to ask that now you know the answer to and you wish you did at the beginning? Oh gosh, that is a good question. So many. I feel like I'm not usually scared to ask for anything, but I don't ask any questions, but I do remember um, getting our like call sheets and I had, I, they were just handed to me and I looked at it and I was like, I have no idea what this is. Like there was like, like wardrobe, like all the different like acronyms for everything. I had no idea. I was just like, but yeah, you just, I just had to ask Erin or someone who had like done it before. And they were like, Oh, you've never seen a call sheet before. This is what, it, this is what it is. Yeah. So speaking of asking your castmates things, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I believe this is uh, your first screen credit, but everybody else had had varying amounts of experience. So what was it kind of like being in uh, an ensemble like that as as the newbie? Was it kind of comforting to have them all around you? And who would you turn to the most for, I don't know, advice on the whole process? It was so comforting. I think, it, I think yeah, some people might look at it and be like, oh my gosh, this is so overwhelming. There are people here, I'm way out of my depth sort of thing. I didn't really feel that. I was just like, oh my gosh, teach me everything you know. This is so exciting. I just was so happy to be there and learn from these people. Um, and I did, I definitely turned to Edna a lot because we were just so such close friends and um, 
similar people. So that was, that was easy, but I feel like I go to each of the girls for different reasons, just like their characters. Like they're all so like unique to themselves and everyone is so different. So when there's something that I need to ask about, like, it depends on what it is. I'll go to different people for it, but they're always there, which is great. Here's another one I love to ask of everyone in the ensemble whose process was most similar to yours and who challenged you to adapt maybe for the better. That is a great question. I mean, I'd have to say either, either Sarah Pigeon or Edna James. Sarah and I both have been to drama school. So we kind of had that drama school energy, um, if that makes any sense. We we're very connected and we knew what each other were doing. We we're just there for each other, which was great. And just big for each other, which was awesome. Um, I think I, because I'd never been on set before, all I was doing was kind of adapting. I knew what I needed to do for like my scenes, but I would just, I would constantly adapt to, to other actors to, to give them what they needed when they, it was their coverage or whatever it was. It was just learning, you know, the whole thing. I was just learning every day. So I didn't really come in with any like strict process. I was just like there to learn and um, do the best job that I could. And I'm happy that I was surrounded by a lot of very um, talented people. So now you got all that experience under your belt. What is a new tool in your acting toolkit, so to speak, that you're going to take with you to future projects that you know you can credit to the wilds? One thing that Shelby taught me um, as an actor is playing the truth in scenes that are um, unspoken. Because for so much of the series, there were things going on in her life and in her head that were not expressed in the script because she was hiding a lot of secrets. So what I learned from playing her is being able to play those nuance, those nuances and those demons that, she, that she's got in the back of her mind, but she won't let show. And I think it's very easy um, when auditioning to be like, I know that she's got a secret and I'm gonna try and kind of play that so that the casting directors can see that or whatever it is. But, it was really good learning lesson to, to be able to play a character who's hiding so much, but still going through so much the entire time. Because I knew once we had gone to season one, I knew the general arc of her story and what, it, what she'd gone through and been going through on the island. So being able to uh, internalize that and not play it is something that I'll take into, into all my jobs from now on. Should be like, okay, that's something that this person's going through. I'm not gonna play it but I'm gonna be able to internalize it in a way that still comes out, comes through her subtly. You were very successful in that department. Oh gosh, thank you. Now it makes me kind of curious, what's the biggest difference between the Shelby you brought to that audition and the one that we see in the final show? Um, well, the Shelby that I did, I did two, I did the first audition then I did the callback, the first audition um, she was, I played her quite like, I had little braids in, I made myself look extremely young and quite um, sensitive. I, I think I played her quite, quite soft and quite kind of um, naive. And then you see the Shelby that ended up being created, which was uh, not naive at all. In fact, she, she is the opposite of naive. She knows, she knows what's going on. She's no, and she knows what she's doing to herself. Um, and she's very good at playing, playing the game and using masks. Um, 
but yeah, I think in my, I think in my callback, I had a bit more of a spring in my step Shelby that you see in the uh, first couple episodes. Um, but yeah, she, the good thing, the great thing about Shelby is that she's constantly changing, which is so just what people do, which is who we are, which is why I love playing her, that human experience. She's just, she's multifaceted and very complex. Yep, that's uh, that's putting it lightly. <laughs> Back to whether whether or not you prefer to be able to connect to a character. For Shelby, what aspect of her was the easiest for you to fall into step with? And then, you know, what what idea did you really have to kind of sit with in order to get in and get behind that kind of headspace? Um, it was very easy to match her optimism and positivity and kind of zest for life and. In, in devastating situations. Cause I feel like that's easy for me to do. And especially doing this, it was, it, it was almost like I wasn't even acting cause I was so excited to be there. I was just like, could just use that excitement um, in Shelby. So that was really easy to get behind and use and to play her. That was, that was easy for me. Um, we definitely come from different backgrounds in terms of religion and upbringing. Um, so that was not, not necessarily hard to do, but definitely something that I had to wrap my head around and get behind because, you know, back in the day, I might've, I might've met someone like Shelby and been like, oh my gosh, like, I just don't agree with so much of the things that she, she was doing. But I think that's another great thing about playing her is that I was like, okay, what I need to lay out, like, how do I relate to this person? Like how, what parts of me can I find in her? and that make her human to me that because you can't you can't play a character that you don't that you don't understand that you don't empathize with i i'm tempted to save this for spoiler territory but with that in mind is there any uh is there any particular beat for her journey that you really had to uh talk through with the writers and the folks behind the show something you had to you know really work on in order to fully understand and be able to move forward with her arc I think the dialogue around um, Shelby's character development, it was always very open dialogue with, with the writers. Um, and a lot of the things from her backstory were kind of incorporated due to conversations that we've had together. So the, there wasn't really one pivotal moment where I had to sit down with the writers and go, okay, like talk me through this. Cause it was kind of, we were growing her together. Um, and they, you know, I'm, yeah. So it was, it was, easy in that sense but um a challenge nonetheless especially when you get down to further episodes being having to um keep those two things separate but play the truth in it it does sound like a really cool uh, collaborative opportunity and also with uh, any interest in writing you might have did this experience and working on shelby like that kind of i don't know spark any uh interest in writing your own scripts i mean i've always I've always loved writing. I've always been a big journaler and a big writer. I've never, I never thought that I'd be into writing scripts. It's, even though I, I'm so fascinated by it and seeing the writers in their element was so cool and like something I was just so happy to see. It's really intense. Um, and there's a lot, there's a lot at stake and it's, 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 it's hard. So it's not something that I would just, that I, I'm going to sit here and be like, ah, oh, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna start writing scripts. I'm aware that it's a very it's a very hard job and it's a lot that, that goes into it that I'm unaware of. So I don't really know if by saying that I'm getting a bit ahead of myself. <laughs> you could still say it. You gotta start somewhere and then you hone your craft as you go along. Exactly, that's true. 
Um, I'm tempted to ask this, but first I'm going to say, how many times have you been asked if you could survive on a deserted <laughs> Oh, so many times, but it's a great question. I, I do. I... <laughs> I'll, I'll spin it a little differently here okay. because I always think about my own chances in survival-like scenarios, whether it's on an island or even surviving a zombie apocalypse. And mm -hmm. I actually think I'd do pretty well, except for the fact that not having a toothbrush and not having contact lens solution would probably be the things to kill oh, me. Yeah. So <laughs> if a silly little thing was to do you in, in a scenario like that, what would it be? Oh, I think for me, I think contact with, um, people i think i think it's if i was alone if i was stranded alone on a desert island that's what would kill me loneliness it's quite sad isn't it that's definitely what i think would kill i don't i, I couldn't do like a tom hanks castaway thing where i just make it through i'd be like peace you know what i'm saying i would like get i'd let the tide just take me out but if i had my friend if i had some people there like the wilds girls do i think i'd be okay for a minute but i definitely wouldn't be as as good as shelby um, or as good as any of them. I think they're all like great at doing this. <laughs> it, it is, it's very impressive. And it made me feel a lot better that there was a toothbrush reference because I do think about that a lot, but also that none of them have contact lenses because that would terrify me. <laughs> yeah, what would you do? <laughs> I always say that if I was in a zombie apocalypse and I couldn't wear contact lenses, I would have to wear glasses obviously. But then yeah. because what happens in every movie the glasses fall off and then someone steps on them and you're screwed anyway <laughs> then you're doing these ones yeah <laughs> i also might have done some instagram snooping because that's part of the job for ladies night and yes. <laughs> i get the sense that you're a little bit of a daredevil because you went bungee jumping oh yes i live by the motto everything is sweetened by risk and i agree with that and i kind of i love that especially when i'm you know I'm young, I'm in my early twenties. Like I just, I want to be taking as many risks as possible before I have like people that I need to consider, you know, you know what I mean? So I'm just, yeah, I have a lot of fun with that. I actually went with Erina who plays Tony bungee jumping. Um, and I've been skydiving with my dad. Ooh. I love it. How Scary. I'm not like, I'm, I'm not like one of those people that's like, yeah, let's go and I'm jumping off like all good. Like I'm terrified. My but mentality I like is it is, it is what it is. <laughs> And mm -hmm. you can't control it, so you might as well enjoy it. Exactly. Although That's you can good. you can kind of control the uh, the bungee jump when you're doing it tandem. How do they tell you to jump off the platform? That was a scary thing. We had to hold each other around at a certain point and just make sure that we were bending down and jumping out and not dropping feet first. Because if we did feet first, then we'd get whiplash. It's the last thing you want to do when you're jumping off a bridge is go head first. So. <laughs> I went in Mexico where there was just like rocky death below me. <gasps> See, no, that would be really hard. <laughs> it's like, why am I doing this? It's like you get to the edge and you're like, wait, I paid for this. Like, what? It's bizarre. It's, it's bizarre, but I mean, I'm going to keep embracing those things. That was one of the greatest things I've ever done. Oh, totally. All right, totally. it's time. I'm just going to put the spoiler warning up. This is too tempting. Spoiler warning for anybody who hasn't seen The Wilds. And just in case you haven't yet, go on over to Amazon. Watch one episode, but I'm warning you, you're not going to be able to stop. You're going to binge them all. So have fun with that and then come back to this conversation. All right. So first off, in my prep, 
it was very easy to notice that there were a couple of burning questions about Shelby. So I want to get, I guess these aren't the little things, but the uh, the behind the scenes uh, practical type things out of the way first. Everyone wants to know if you actually shaved your head and if you really <laughs> use a flipper. So I know the answers to both of those questions. So instead, <laughs> what was it like doing the, the bald cap process? And then what was required VFX wise in order to do the flipper part? Okay, so the bald cap was one of the coolest things I've ever done. I was walking around and I was like, I'm going to shave my head. If they wanted me to shave my head for season two for the whole time, I would I would do it. It was so cool. A long time in hair and makeup. They actually flew me to Sydney, which is where I'm from, which was great. So I got to say hi to mum and dad. But they flew me to Sydney to do um, like a cast over my head. I actually have a photo of it on my Instagram. And that's something that was really hard for me because it's kind of claustrophobic. You're completely covered in like this silicon sort of, I don't even know what it is that creates a mold of your entire like head to chest and you're in there for like 20 minutes like trying to breathe through like these tiny little holes which was hard but it was it was fun it was a lot of fun they were so good at their job the people that worked there so it was great then they made a ball cap from that shape of my head and then added each individual hair onto it like every single hair on there was like put in one by one amazing so like Wow. Um, then when we were doing it, I was in hair and makeup for like four and a half, five hours, getting it on, um, then blending it in with my skin. I wasn't able to like eat breakfast or anything because you can't chew with the, with the, yeah, with it on. So it was, it was hard, but it was so much fun. I just loved walking around in it. Um, it was great. And the teeth, the flipper was like, they just, when they just put two little dots on my teeth through the camera, like not on my actual teeth and just in post edited them out, which is amazing. Cause even when I'm moving and talking, they were just like going shot by shot, frame by frame and removing those teeth, which is really cool. And then I had a um, flipper that had the teeth on it and then a flipper that didn't have the teeth on it. So I had something to click in and something to click out, but they were two different things. So every time I was like, okay, we have to have the, flipper in this shot because she's already taken it out. So I have the one with the teeth on it and then they cut and then I have to put the one with the with no teeth on it so I can click it in. Cause I actually have teeth there so I couldn't click in a proper one. So it was very like kind of stop starting. But by the end of season one, we everyone was so used to the process and they were like, okay. And we were all like pros at it and we just knew exactly what to do. But at the beginning it was like, wait, very confusing. Another unsurprising fan favorite topic is the relationship between Shelby and Tony. Given how you shot the show and how you discovered new information about your characters as you got more scripts, what was it like for the two of you when you found out what path they were going down, especially after becoming close friends after the pilot episode? It was so thrilling for us. We were just like fists in the air, like so excited that we got to do that because every time we read the script and we had scenes together we were like yes because we just love working with each other and the chemistry we already had in buckets because we just we lived together every day and we were just best friends so it was it was very easy to have the chemistry there and we were so excited when we read the script and got to see that we had the storyline because it meant that because we you know both of our characters mean a lot to us and um, we want happiness for our characters and it was nice to see that found in each other's characters and like in each other on set 
a beautiful, beautiful time. It's an especially beautiful part of the show to watch too. You have quite a few elements to your character that I imagine come with some very tough scenes for you to jump into. So is there any particular scene that had you looking at the shooting schedule and circling that day and saying, yeah. that is the day I am most nervous for because of that scene? It wasn't so much what I was, it wasn't so much me being nervous, but there were definitely scenes coming up, especially in episode eight, where you dive into Shelby's backstory and she has some pretty uncomfortable conversations with her father, especially that are just traumatizing, um, that I was looking forward to. I was genuinely looking forward to doing those scenes because that's like what I love to do is just being challenged in that way. Um, what I wasn't prepared for though, was doing those scenes like that and then leaving and thinking because your brain knows, oh, I'm not going through that. This is obviously just acting, etc. But your body doesn't, like your body holds on to that fear that you instill in yourself and that anxiety. And I was leaving and I was like, I get, like becoming so anxious, which was so unlike me at that time in my life. So, and I was like, couldn't figure out what it was, but then she was in so much pain, holding back so many things. And so I was doing that to myself to get into character. And then it's like your body, like it's hard. And then it just made me like empathize with her even more. Cause I was like, God, like, I don't know how you do it every, every day, like in all seriousness. Have you figured out any kind of uh, like a detox process? Like something you can turn to when you're having that kind of day on set to snap out of it? I often, it, 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 you started about, it started getting easier because it was like, I was going back into my Australian accent, which like grounded me a bit more. Um, and was, yeah, I was able to remove myself from Shelby, but also I found putting on my jewelry, like the jewelry that I wear every day that I now call my anchors. So when I come out of a scene and it's a brutal scene or something and I put on my jewelry, I like, it's me being recentered and back to like my anchors and like who I am. And then I can take them off and go back and go back into it. Um, but in terms of detoxing, yeah, definitely a lot of self-care and just, I think just being open about it, journaling really helps. Um, just expressing for me personally, when I just write something down, it's almost like out of sight, out of mind. I just, it just leaves me as soon as I've written it down. So that was a big thing after big scenes, going home, putting on my jewelry, having a shower, getting into your own clothes and just writing about your day. Just makes I feel like easy. I'm not going to forget the idea of calling your jewelry your anchor, like especially yeah. as someone who wears the same stuff all the time. That's kind of nice. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> so going into season two now, first, let me just ask you some questions so I know exactly what you know and where you guys are at. When first, when did you first hear about the season two renewal? I found out on, it would have been the, oh, 20 like a week after the show came out a week after the show came out I had a screening for my close friends and family for the wilds because we couldn't do a premiere or anything because of COVID so we did a private screening and it was that night overnight I must have been sleeping when it was happening in America everyone was like oh, I woke up and everyone was like yeah going crazy about season two and I was like what like waking up hungover like trying to figure out what was happening yeah <laughs> So now, I mean, not much time has passed since that, but is there any kind of shooting schedule on the table? Do you know when you're gonna have to get back into it? I don't know. They, I, I have no idea. I'm, I, th I think it's imminent. I think it's around the corner. I think they're trying to, we're gonna like get this 
done and dusted so that everyone can get a season two as soon as possible because I think yeah we all just love everyone's love for this show so we want to like give them back a season two as soon as possible so I think everyone's doing the best job they can at making that happen. I like hearing that. Do you know have you been told anything about the future for Shelby? I know where Ryder wants to see Shelby at the end, at the absolute end of the entire series, where she wants to see Shelby and what she wants to see Shelby doing. So hmm. I know that that's where she's going, but I have no idea what's going to be happening in season two. I think I would have loved so much um, since the show released is seeing everyone's theories and reading everyone's theories. I'm reading some of these theories and I'm like, oh my God, that's it. You know what I mean? And there's some that I'm like, I didn't even realize were happening that is so true and I'm like a lot of these theories are really spot on so I I have one theory you could just sit there and 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 react and we'll really read into your reaction right now <laughs> the anaphylactic shock at the end I know that they mention that she has food allergies but I think she did it deliberately mm-hmm. <laughs> well <laughs> <laughs> that were you the happiest person in the world when you read the script for that episode and you were the only one who didn't have to fake vomit yes yeah I was it was a funny day because everyone like in the hair and makeup truck like I just had all my normal makeup which was still like burnt and burned and stuff but they were all like ghostly white like sick makeup and they were all like drinking like it was like miso soup and it wasn't but not as nice as me it was like miso soup and muesli bars and oh, random stuff but I also was a little bit jealous because I was like, God, that kind of looks really fun. I don't know. I, there's something like fun about being able to just be like, like so just. We play a would you rather game sometimes. And one of my favorite questions is, would you rather have to fake vomit in a scene or fake sneeze in a scene? I think fake vomit would be more hilarious. Like fake sneezing would be like, and I also think you've got, there's so much more room with fake vomit to have fun there. Like you can, there's different sorts of vomit, vomits you can, you can do. But it's like sneezing is kind of one dimensional. I don't know, so I'm gonna go with vomit. It's difficult to do a convincing fake sneeze, but I guess also if, you yeah. don't, if you're not like opposed to vomiting, like some people are just grossed yeah. out by it and will really do it then. Yeah, well, I guess, yeah. That's another thing about the sneezing thing that's like, gosh, it's this simple action that everyone does, but it can be really easy to be unconvincing. So I'd be kind of scared to do it. I'd be like, there's a lot of pressure on this take, guys. <laughs> Gotta <to> sneeze. <laughs> I'll give you one broader season two question before we move into random questions, which is how we end every episode of Ladies Night. Is there any particular quality of Shelby's that you are hoping to explore most in season two? Oh, definitely her sexuality and her relationship with Tony and the relationship that she has with herself and her God and who like her sexuality. I want, I really want to see um, some growth there. I think she's grown so much already. So I don't want to put any pressure, but <laughs> I think there's so much room there. And I'm, I, I'm really want to see her just um, find comfort in herself and just not be afraid to be who she is um that's I, I really want to see that for her just personally um because I love that about her all right the time has come random questions random right. they randomly come to my head and I just ask them if you had to eat one meal over and over for the rest of your life what would it be uh it's got to be sushi big sushi fan I love sushi solid choice right there 
Mm-hmm. Do you collect anything? Um, yes, I collect all the cards that and, and letters that anyone's ever written to me. And I keep them in a little box and I put them in a storage unit in the country. And I've got them all. After a birthday, I've got like, my room actually still, my birthday was in August. My room is like, I've got to find a better system at collecting these things because they're just everywhere. And I, but I can't let them go. I love them. You make me feel so much better about my card collecting habit. I have, you collect cards too? I have, I never throw away a birthday oh, card. Stacks and stacks of them. Yeah. And sometimes I just read through them. Like if I'm like, feeling away yeah i find i finally grew up a little though and i took um i had a giant binder of every bar and bat mitzvah invitation i had received when i was 13 i saved every one and i finally threw like they weren't even mine yeah (laughs) i love that i I kind of already know the answer to this one i think do you have any tattoos i do i have lotus flower an r for my sister's name's romy um an i and then a crown. God, I have a few. You got four. I'm right. I'm right behind you with three. And I'm I'm searching for ideas for number four now, which is why I asked. My sister has a lotus flower in the same spot, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. There's um. Yeah, that's a funny story behind that tattoo. I actually got it on this wrist when I was like 15, because I just thought I was a very rebellious person. I just wanted to, I don't know, be rebellious. It wasn't who I was at all. So my parents were kind of like, what? So I got it there when I was 15 and my parents were like, um, no, you're getting it removed. So I went and had to pay for it myself and go and get it removed when I was 15. But I removed it, but I was kind of like upset that they made me remove it. I was like, cause it was the first thing I did that was like my decision. You know what I mean? It's like, I was so young anyway. So then when I got a bit older, I went and got it redone on my other wrist. Do I dare ask what they thought of it when you showed that new one to them? Mum was not happy. She was like, no, she was like not happy about it. Um, dad was, dad didn't care. Dad did not give anything. He was just like, whatever, <laughs> I'm over it. He's like, I'm genuinely like, don't want to hear about tattoos ever again. I don't care. <laughs> Once you start, you kind of can't stop. <laughs> or at least I have a problem now. All right. Yeah. This last one's kind of serious. You could take it in the deeper direction or keep it light, whatever you want. We always end with this. What is the biggest fear you've had that you've actually managed to overcome? That's a great question. I have, I have a fear of dying. <laughs> I used to always have a fear of, um, of just dying because I was just so like, and I thought about it's when I'm most grateful. It's in my most grateful moments that I think about death. When I think when I'm around people that I love or I'm doing something that I love, I'm like, God, I don't want to die because I just, I love living and I love this life that I, I'm so lucky to live and I don't want to lose it. So I, I get, I used to be quite fearful of that, but I've been able to overcome that now because I, I think about it now like, oh, I'm so grateful to live this life. And the reason why I'm grateful that I live this life is because I know it's, it's temporary. You know, I know I'm not going to live forever. And that's why these moments I like love so much and are so important and that I need to cherish because it's I'm not immortal and it's not going to last forever. And that's why, that's why this is a beautiful moment and it wouldn't be a beautiful moment otherwise. So that's the way that I try and think about it. I, I like that way of looking at it. And I always feel like, uh, you're always afraid to lose something when you have something special. So you've created yeah. something special and there's always like a little tinge of that there. 
Yeah, exactly. <sighs> I have to let you go. But thank you so much for hanging out with us on Ladies Night and Talk in the Wild. I'm so happy for you. I can't wait to season to see season two when it comes out, hopefully sooner rather than later, and also everything else you do after it. So, Mia, thank you so much. Congratulations. Thank you so much for having me. I've loved this. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com.